You are listening to your home for Michigan Athletics. 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Located from the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there. And the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. This is Blair. I'm here with Tracy Chapman, Ben Harper, Tom Waits, and Patty Griffin. You guys don't want to speak? Okay. They've elected me to let you know that you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Where the light beams, where the mind dreams, and life seems to go on forever. Where the bones break, where the stones shake. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. Jim Dwyer is uh, going to be enjoying one of the last hockey games at Joe Lewis Arena tonight. I'm actually kind of surprised they're playing hockey tonight with the uh, national championship uh, game uh, happening. I thought in the old days they sort of cleared out the professional sports schedule. Speaking of which, that ought to be another good final. So uh, even if you're not a huge basketball fan, check it out. Uh, you're going to see some good fundamental basketball by both teams. And uh, I suspect that North Carolina's depth and pace will prevail at the end of the day. Which might even allow Roy Williams an opportunity to denounce Trump. Roy uh, Williams is not a big fan of Donald Trump, and I actually do appreciate uh, sports uh, figures sometimes sticking their neck on the line and speaking out about things they know to be wrong. Anyway, another week in the continuing gong show of Donald Trump and this uh, strange presidency that just... Uh, I don't know. It's headed towards Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's gone beyond a comedy of errors. There's now, I think, even open uh, obstruction of justice occurring by Donald Trump and uh, Devin Nunez. So let's just give him a brain damage award. Uh, if you're the chairman of a congressional committee, it is simply unacceptable to be secretly meeting at the White House in which... Uh, Leaks are leaked information and leaked uh, documents and disinformation is being peddled about to influence uh, investigations. This latest uh, controversy about granting uh, Michael Flynn immunity is fairly outrageous. Uh, numerous congressional investigations into wrongdoing by the administration, and I'm thinking here of... Uh, the uh, Watergate uh, scandal and the Iran-Contra scandal, which we can talk about in a second, 
are examples of the danger of giving immunity in some cases. Uh, the Justice Department traditionally is the only entity in government that can give immunity. Uh, Congress is in no hurry to, quote, get to the truth when it's been already established that the FBI and the Justice Department are investigating the Trump administration's connections to Russian oligarchs, foreign banks, Ukrainian shady dudes. Lots of bad hombres are involved in this sorry story, and it only gets uglier. Of course, over the weekend, uh, Trump tried uh, another tactic of distraction by uh, dumping a bunch of uh, financial information out there about uh, Ivanka Trump and uh, um, Jared Kushner, who uh, bizarrely is making a trip to Iraq to, quote, see what's happening over there to give it give his father-in-law an assessment of the situation. Uh, well, if he hasn't been reading books and uh, reputable international sources about what's going on in Iraq, I don't see how an on-the-ground visit with a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is going to help him get a grasp of the situation any better in Iraq on the ground. You know, by the way, over the years, it's very well established that when high brass from Washington goes to visit a war zone, and let's not be confused here about what is actually going on in Iraq, an ongoing war, the war in Syria uh, is certainly uh, the most atrocious thing that's happened in the 21st century in terms of a humanitarian disaster. And, of course, the situation in Syria is even more complicated than Iraq, but uh, the, the, the continuing deaths of civilians and some of the increased bombing that the American government has been engaged in since Trump has become president are very troubling indeed. Uh, it's quite well established, by the way, that Western Mosul is really going to be a situation in which uh, you, you got to go in on the ground. You're not going to be able to use air power to uh, chase ISIL away. And, of course, we have a late report today about a uh, probable but not certain terrorist attack in St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, I think we can read between the lines and suggest that that's probably... Uh, connected somehow to the wars in the Middle East. And when I say wars, I mean wars, plural. Afghanistan, Yemen, Iraq, Syria. There's bombing going on in Somalia. There is continuing violence in Nigeria. It's uh, not a pretty picture. And it's fascinating that the travel ban that Donald Trump has been trying to get through uh, using misguided and really strange executive orders uh, is connected with, uh, well, American imperialism in the region, to say the least. One of the most interesting uh, themes of the week is uh, that we got a whole lot of leaking going on. 
That's kind of a little play on a Jerry Lee Lewis famous song. Got a whole lot of leaking going on, and there's battles about leaks. And one of my favorite uh, Watergate excerpts from the infamous presidency of Richard Nixon, who Trump uh, resembles in many ways, uh, and some important differences, by the way. One very important difference was Richard Nixon read a lot of books. He had a lot of knowledge about policy. He was not a moron. He was paranoid. He had his enemies list. He had his vindictive streak. He couldn't forget slights. And he held grudges, and he had an enemies list, and blah, blah, blah. Those are things that he's quite got in common with Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't know anything about policy. One of the most atrocious things that happened over the past week was uh, Donald Trump's, uh, well, his, uh, his decision to go, uh, to go with coal, you know, with some bizarre claim that uh, his uh, energy policy is somehow going to make America more competitive. I'd like to point out that uh, it's estimated, by the way, that about 13,000 people in the United States die uh, every year from air pollution. And coal is simply past its prime, dude. It's very strange to read about Donald Trump issuing an executive order to study trade. <laughs> I thought... Oh, a 90-day commission to study trade. How about reading some economic textbooks? How about learning about the Phoenicians and the Greeks and the Chinese? Trade has been around with human civilization for 7,000 years. You could read Adam Smith, David Ricardo, Karl Marx, Joseph Schumpeter, John Maynard Keynes, Hayek, for God's sakes. He's a right-winger. Just read some uh, basic economic textbooks to get, to get a primer on trade. I'll say this again. Uh, Donald Trump cannot renegotiate NAFTA. All of the provisions of NAFTA have expired except uh, Mexican trucking. So if he wants to permit Mexican trucks into America, it's about the only thing he can really renegotiate. He can withdraw uh similar to what uh, we've seen over the past week with the British and Brexit. But one of my favorite uh, <clears throat> excerpts from the Watergate tapes occurs in a uh, about an hour and 15-minute meeting on the 1st of July, 1971. This is basically right after the Pentagon Papers have been published. The Supreme Court, by the way, ruled, I believe it was 6 to 3, in favor of uh, the Washington Post and the New York Times' right to publish uh, excerpts of the Pentagon Papers. The Pentagon Papers were a commissioned study by Robert McNamara, former head of the Pentagon, to figure out how the heck we got into Vietnam. Well, that's a long, sorry story of American imperialism. And how ironic to be reading about the Cambodian government telling the American government over the weekend, you owe us. Indeed. 
Uh, because, of course, Trump and Tillerson, his uh, <laughs> secretary of state, and I put that title in quotes, are running around the world trying to get our allies to pay more for NATO and claiming that we're getting ripped off and they need to contribute more and blah, de blah, de blah. Well, it's a two-way street. You know, it's interesting. There are going to be some elections in South Korea in a couple of weeks. And a left-wing South Korean government may uh, emerge. And they may tell America to get the heck out of South Korea. Wouldn't that be interesting? They say, no, 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 we're not going to pay up. We've paid up quite a bit. We want you to leave. Because there are many left-wing political people in South Korea that don't like the American troops, the 38,000 troops on the Korean Peninsula. They want to settle the Korean dispute with the North Koreans. Mano, mano, as they say. Anyway, one of my favorite conversations from the Watergate tapes is when... Um, Nixon meets with Haldeman and Kissinger in the Oval Office on the morning of the 1st of July, and he starts talking about leaking, and he does most of the talking. Uh, He's, of course, uh, trying to find somebody fast, somebody like Houston, Tom Houston, or somebody like Houston fast. So he has a person in mind called Dick Allen. Dick Allen, by the way, is not the baseball player. He's Richard Allen, who uh, served in the Reagan administration as a national security advisor. And he wants him, as he tells Haldeman, to, quote, go up to the mountaintop to see who can handle this. He says, I want, I have a project that I want somebody to take just like I took on the Hiss case, the Bentley case, and the rest. And I'll tell you what, it takes. It takes 18 hours a day. It takes devotion and dedication and loyalty and diligence, such as you've never seen Bob. Bob, I I never worked so hard in my life, and I'll never work so hard again because I don't have the energy. But this thing is a hell of a great opportunity because here's what it is. I don't have any direct knowledge of who the goddamn leaker is. And you see, here's where John, I will recall, I don't probably, I, I, I don't have to tell. You probably don't know what I meant when I said yesterday that we won the Hiss case in the papers. We did. I had to leak the stuff all over the place because the Justice Department would not prosecute it. Hoover didn't even cooperate. It's in the papers. John Mitchell doesn't understand that sort of thing. He's a good lawyer. It's hard on him. John Rockman will have difficulty. But what I mean is we have to develop a program, a program of leaking information out there. We're destroying these people in the papers. That's the one side of it. Had a gap in the conspiracy. Now, do you see what I need? I need somebody. I wish you could get a, a personality type like, like Whitaker who will work his butt off and do it honorably. I need a son of a bitch like Houston who will work his butt off and do it dishonorably. Do you see what I mean? Who will know what he's doing and what I want to know too? And I'll direct it myself. 
I know how to play this game, and we're going to start playing it. Well, Kissinger and Haldeman are listening to this uh, brilliant performance of Nixon, uh, I think uh, invoking the spirit of Machiavelli. <laughs> Leaking, baby. This is what this is about. And Trump, of course, all last week was playing this game of leaking, encouraging uh, Michael Flynn to be given immunity. We'll see what go where that goes, but uh, the leaks are continuing. And, of course, what we know about uh, Devin Nanu Nanu Nunez, I think I'm always going to call him Nanu Nanu from now on, <laughs> is uh, in honor of uh, Robin Williams, is that what we're, what we're talking about here is Trump literally involved in, at this point, the obstruction of justice. Now, look, I have said repeatedly that I don't doubt that the Russians were involved in manipulating the way uh, information was leaked to the American media and that those leaks uh, colored the coverage of the presidential race from the end of July onward, that the Comey appearance two weeks before the election had a deleterious effect on uh, Hillary Clinton, and that the Russians did interfere in the election on behalf of Donald Trump. However, I don't think the Russians influenced the election. I think that there were lots of influences on the election, and the American media uh, had much more of an influence on the election than the Russians. But the Russians are very professional at this game of disinformation and compromise, and leaking and hacking and dropping disinformation into the into the dog pile, and counting on the fact that it will be picked up. Uh, we've seen in recent weeks, by the way, that the Fox News Network, which of course. Uh, Oh, boy, I don't even know where to get started with them. But, uh, you know, Bill O'Reilly and Roger Ailes are now in, in uh, up to their eyeballs in sexual uh, harassment scandals and misconduct. Uh, sort of similar to Donald Trump. In fact, uh, I keep waiting for Donald Trump's lawsuits. Remember, he, he, he told the American people back in October that he was going to sue uh, the women who came out and accused Donald Trump of pretty much what we're hearing about Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes, of course, running the Fox News Network, which is uh, basically a, an arm, a, a, a surrogate uh, propaganda arm of the Trump administration. Sean Hannity, who's now become the master forger of Donald Trump's conspiracy theories that are now promulgated on Fox News Network pretty much weekly, in one form or another. And, of course, it's alarming and disturbing to hear reports that uh, it doesn't matter. Fox's news ratings seem to be going up. It's pretty, uh, pretty scary. As for sabotage, uh, sabotaging congressional investigations, that, you know, that occurred in the Iran-Contra scandal. Ed Meese was the attorney general, and he wanted to save Reagan. So he decided that uh, Oliver North and John Poindexter would be the, the fall guys for the Iran-Contra scandal. Now, they were involved in the Iran-Contra scandal. You can't frame somebody that's out of the picture 
out of the loop, to paraphrase former President 41 H.W. Bush, out of the loop. Yeah, no, they were in the loop. He was in the loop. Reagan was in the loop. But the defense became Reagan said, I forgot. I can't remember. I have no recollection of those events. So Oliver North was given immunity, and he testified before Congress. And he had, of course, a lot of interesting things to, to, to tell us. The main narrative that he was promoting, of course, was that uh, as a zealous anti-communist, uh, breaking the law and lying to Congress was permissible because the threat of the communists in Central America was so dire that the Nicaraguan government, uh, nearly a thousand miles from Brownsville Station in Texas, where there's a lot of smoking in the boys' room going on, the poorest... Uh, country in the Western Hemisphere was never a threat to the United States of America. But never mind. Uh, mining the harbors of Nicaragua and breaking other laws that occurred under the Reagan administration were routine. They were a matter of policy. Uh, you'll recall that William Casey was Ronald Reagan's uh, head of the CIA. And in the mid-70s, of course, Congress reigned in some of the power of the CIA when they conducted congressional investigations in the Church Committee and the Pike Committee in the mid-70s. Frank Church famously called the CIA a rogue elephant. And of course, under Alan Dulles in the 1950s and under Richard Helms between 1966 and 73, when, ironically, he was actually forced to resign by Nixon. Nixon uh, made him ambassador to Iran because he wouldn't cooperate on the Watergate cover-up. Um, the smoking gun tape, of course, that implicated Nixon that forced his ultimate resignation was that he <clears throat> instructed Vernon Walters, who also resurfaced in the Reagan administration as a high-ranking official, to go down to the CIA and ordered them to tell the FBI to, quote, stay the hell out of Watergate because it involved national security. Oh, yes, the infamous justification for all sorts of rogue elephant activity, national security. We've heard it before. We'll hear it again. And I'm sure we'll hear it from Donald Trump. As for sabotage, yeah, that's going on. Uh, Nunez has screwed this thing up as far as the House... Uh, Intelligence Committee investigation. He has no credibility. Uh, you can't be meeting uh, minions of Donald Trump secretly at the White House, reading God knows what documents, and then going out on television and having press conferences. Uh, this is remarkable nonsense. And by the way, there's a precedence for uh, problems with congressional investigations. Uh, in theory, we have a separation of powers, and congressional committee chairmen are supposed to stand up for the power of Congress versus the power of the president. They're not supposed to be bootlickers for the president, like Nunez has turned out to be. But when the House Select Committee on Assassinations reinvestigated the Kennedy assassination, there were some problems with the committee chairman then, and they had to remove... 
trying to remember it. I think it was Henry Gonzalez and Richard Sprague that were involved in this dispute. And uh, Henry Gonzalez was ultimately removed as chairman of the committee. Talk about that a little bit more maybe in upcoming weeks as we see what develops as the Senate begins its investigation of Donald Trump, the Crimean slash Siberian candidate. Uh, of course, we've had some interesting uh, developments today with respect to the Supreme Court. Gorsuch has made it out of committee, and now we're having a strange debate about the so-called nuclear option. Um, the last uh, Supreme Court justice to be approved by a sort of 52-48 type of vote, which is what it will appear will happen with Neil Gorsuch later in the week, because Mitch McConnell is going to change the rules, uh, was Clarence Thomas. Uh, Clarence Thomas was appointed by Bush 41 to replace Thurgood Marshall back in 1991. Um, he's written a memoir, and it's. I just wanted to quote from this because here's another guy trying to rewrite history. He, you will recall, got into a kind of a quagmire involving Anita Hill and some allegations that she made sort of late in the hearing process. Uh, fascinating book about how Clarence Thomas was sort of peddled as almost a Supreme Court political candidate, that there was actually public relations firms hired for several months to promote Clarence Thomas's uh, bootstraps uh, development as a, as a person, that he'd worked hard and worked his way up from poverty, and that what he had at the end of the day was a compelling story. And indeed, we can uh, say that that is the case. But uh, recently, Thomas, back in 2007, wrote a memoir entitled My Grandfather's Son, which was about his upbringing. His father abandoned him when he was a kid, and there were some problems with his, his mother. So his grandparents uh, sort of raised him down there in Georgia. And he wrote, he said, each day that I left the caucus room tired, tormented, and anxious, my opponents were armed with long lists of trick questions prepared by law professors and activists. I, on the other hand, had spent most of the preceding decade running a federal agency instead of studying two centuries' worth of Supreme Court decisions. My enemies weren't looking for open-minded justices. All they cared about was keeping anyone off the Supreme Court who, mo who might vote down or reverse row or water it down. As far as they were concerned, my open-mindedness was a disadvantage, not a qualification. A year later, Justice Thomas voted to overturn Roe. Quote, by then, I'd had ample time to study Roe in detail and concluded that it was wrongly decided and that it should now be overruled, he wrote in his memoir. Of course, in that case that Thomas voted, he was, on, he was a dissenter. Uh, very few justices agreed with him that Roe should be overturned. And I also want to correct the historical record. Numerous uh, people that voted for Thomas were, in fact, pro-choice. 
Um, so he's got his facts mixed up as usual, trying to rewrite history. Uh, Roe versus Wade was decided seven to two. I have no idea how uh, uh, Neil Gorsuch will vote on any abortion case that might be elliptically connected to Roe versus Wade. I, I, I can't tell you. But uh, Roe versus Wade is a, a very um, compelling historical case written by Harry Blackman in which he cites five or six congressional uh, constitutional amendments and dozens of cases justifying the precedent for why there is a fundamental right to privacy. And I suspect um, that Gorsuch will probably uphold uh, Roe, uh, but I'm not certain of that. And my gut tells me that he's not as conservative as uh, Thomas, probably a little more similar to Alito, but he might not even be as conservative as Alito. Let's remember that he is only 49. He's younger than anybody on the court, if he gets on it, and I assume he will. He got a Ph.D. He's an academic. He went to Columbia. I think he's more of a libertarian than a sort of hard right conservative. And, of course, because he's relatively young and because he only served on the Court of Appeals, he doesn't have a long written record of what we would call judicial philosophical thinking. And, of course, during the hearings, he's been a mum on most subjects. And I think that's actually hurt him. I think if he... Uh, spoke more frankly, I don't, I don't even think they'd have to bother with this uh, uh, so-called nuclear option in which they get rid of the filibuster. Now, this may be a strategic um, strategy that Charles Schumer is employing here for future political disputes about either the Supreme Court or other issues in the Senate. We don't know how all that's going to turn out. May work, may not. I don't know. We don't know. But obviously, Charles Schumer is a KG fellow. I'd like to point out that Donald Trump, since becoming president, has yet to actually meet Charles Schumer, which might explain some of the problems that he's having with his legislative agenda. It's not going uh, very far anyway, or anyhow. It's a, it's a disaster. So uh, Trump had a terrible week. Um, and don't pay attention to this Jared Kushner financial stuff. Uh, he didn't have a very good week either. The Chinese backed out of the, uh, the deal to buy his hotel. And these ethical, uh, shall we say, quagmires that both he and Ivanka Trump are in, she's now going to become a, quote, federal employee. <laughs> very strange. <laughs> uh, paid $1, uh, but they're not going to apparently comply fully with ethical requirements uh, required of the nepotism's clause and this, that, and the other. These are bright, shiny objects. They're weapons of mass destruction that Donald Trump keeps throwing out there. Pay no attention to it. Pay attention to the guy behind the screen. It's Donald Trump. Of course, the big news of the week was the fact that Dandelion uh, has lost its, uh, its status in the Crayola crayon uh, box. It's been retired. It's kind of surprising. I would think dandelion at the moment would be a very useful crayon to have, uh, only to color Donald Trump's hair in some sort of hue. So much for dandelion. In fact, it's got a kind of a <laughs> secret 
inference about Donald Trump's hair. Maybe his maybe we can start calling his hair dandelion. Anyway, we are out of time down here on uh, Gray Matters here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor.